Hello, Baker McKenzie welcomes you to Connect on Tech, a global podcast series covering legal developments on data, technology, privacy, and security that impact your business. Here's your host, Brian Hengisbaugh, Global Chair of Privacy and Security. Welcome to Connect on Tech. In today's episode, we have Adam Aft and Peter George, two of our partners in our Chicago office who are deep into technology transactions and cloud and have some really interesting results and trends that are coming out of our Baker McKenzie cloud survey from 2019. Great. Adam Aft and Peter George, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be on the pod. And for the listeners out there, Brian just told me that he plans to have me as a regular guest on the pod, notwithstanding my unfit for radio voice. So look out for that in the future. Fantastic. We're looking forward to that. Thanks, Adam. So, Adam, we're here to talk about the the cloud survey, the Baker McKenzie cloud survey. This is the fifth one. Could you give us a little background on the the survey respondents and the trends that we have identified? Yeah, thanks so much. So, we had about 200 respondents from all over the world this year. Uh, All the geos were regularly represented, except for a little underrepresented in LATAM, but otherwise, as you can expect by something Baker does, uh, quite a global set of respondents. Uh, A majority of our respondents, not shocking given that we're a law firm, were from the legal profession, but we did partner with the IACCM, so we also had a healthy mix of contract professionals, procurement professionals, and others that gave a slightly more full view than just those responding from the legal perspective. And was the case with past surveys, uh, we typically had respondents from larger enterprises, although this year we did notice a trend being slightly smaller enterprises uh, than we had in the past could be reflective of wider adoption of cloud services outside of just larger enterprises. A, a few key trends that we observed were, one was the real convergence that we've been seeing in past surveys, and that's continued to accelerate, of our respondents being both providers and customer of cloud services, which is really a, a lot different than when we started the cloud survey and the respondents had a kind of more well-defined role, whether they were providers or customers. Um, We interestingly had a renewed focus on data and data security, given that our last survey concluded before the effective date of the general data protection regulation. We had actually seen data drop slightly from past surveys, but in this year, it came roaring back, both with the new California privacy law, the experience of having the GDPR effective Um, and otherwise a renewed focus on data and data security. Our respondents, again, highlighted that as their primary concern with respect to the cloud. And and speaking of data, the last trend we observed is our respondents had a greater focus on data than they've had in years past. A number of respondents indicated uh, issues with respect to who owns data, what data should be in the cloud, a real focus on data categories specifically, and then also where the data itself may be physically located, the, more accurately, the servers themselves may be physically located with an increasing trend of data residency, legal requirements and considerations. Perfect, Adam, thanks so much. Peter, what do you make of this continued convergence that Adam is referencing and there being more entities providing um, both as providers and users of cloud services? Well, Brian, I, I think it's an interesting, um, it's, a, it's an interesting data point uh, in addition to, you know, our respondents self-identifying increasingly as both providers and buyers of cloud services, that we are also seeing continued convergence on sort of where the where buyers and providers end up 
uh, in their con- cloud contracts with respects to you know key legal terms like liability limitations and liability disclaimers and indemnities and things like this. Um, I think in part that's being driven by the fact that you know our, our the respondents to our survey are finding themselves both in the position of a buyer of cloud services as well as a, a provider of cloud solutions. Uh, and it makes sense that you know hey if you're going out uh, to market, uh, the terms that you offer to your customers are going to be influenced by the terms that you have on the back end from your suppliers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the fact that there is convergence both in, you know, where participants find themselves in the market, both as a buyer or a provider of cloud services, and the continued convergence on sort of market terms, uh, to me, it makes it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and it's been borne out. Uh, in our survey, and it seems to be increasing uh, as we run our, our survey over the years. So it's an interesting data point. Yeah, I mean, on a related question, do you have any any tips uh, or strategies for managing multiple provider cloud implementations? So you're talking before about the, the convergence um, where somebody's both a, a user and a provider, and so there's an alignment that seems to be happening in terms of terms. But what about managing multiple provider cloud implementations? Well, thanks, Brian. It's a great question, and you know what we're what we're seeing, um, and we saw this um, past surveys, and, and and we're still seeing it today, uh, is that especially you know in larger solutions, um, the the solutions are basically uh, delivered as a combination of different you know, point solutions or different cloud uh, offerings. So you might have a, you might have a, you know, a solution that includes an application as a service uh, that's being hosted by, uh, you know, an infrastructure as a service provider. And then maybe there is uh, another party that's doing data analytics, um, three different service providers, but in order for the solution to work, uh, you have to, you know, have co- cooperation, collaboration between all three of these different providers, um, and that that that's a service that that requires effort, that requires work, uh, and I think that it's important for both for customers to understand that, and for the service providers who are serving them to understand that. And we see, you know, some some some. Um, some tips are, you know, one, you can think about that as a system integration role, and maybe you, you're hiring someone to provide that service. Or if you're a buyer and you understand um, what those requirements are and how to get those different um, solutions to work together, it's something that maybe a, a customer can do by themselves, or it's a responsibility that one of those service providers can have. But the key is to really understand that, you know, where you have a, a solution that's a combination of different parts, that there is, some, there is a requirement there, there's some work effort there to make those parts work together. And so I think the, 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 the successful solutions are ones that don't underestimate the importance of that. No, those, that's super helpful, Peter, right? And, and getting it all to work together when you're dealing with multiple providers, uh, obviously critical, where you're just not going to get the, um, the advantage and the benefit that you're looking to get. Um, to you, Adam, a question. So we're regularly asked for our sense of market practices regarding cloud contracting terms. What did you take from the survey and what do the respondents, respondents indicate about key cloud contract terms? 
Sure. And this, this is one of the really helpful aspects of the survey is that it does give that kind of market benchmark sense of at least what our respondents are telling us about their cloud agreement. So one item, which is what we've seen in the last survey or two, is the form of agreement. Um, our respondents indicated, as has been the case recently, the form of agreement is primarily uh, the, the provider form of agreement. That's what the majority of our respondents indicated. But they did indicate there are instances where customers are still using parts of the customer form of agreement, such as a data security addendum or something similar. Uh, limitation on liability, certainly always top of mind for many of our clients, many of the people we discuss with cloud. Uh, the respondents indicated that the general limitation on liability has tended to coalesce around 12 months of fees, but they did note some important exceptions, such as those related to data security incidents. And then one last interesting trend, although there's a number of other ones in the survey, is that our respondents indi indicated an increase in the amount of the, the respondents that carry cyber insurance, which we thought was interesting and, and consistent, again, with the trend we've been seeing. And uh, But before we sign off, Brian, I was hoping to uh, turn the tables on, on you. I know that ever since your days of negotiating Safe Harbor, kind of one of your main areas of expertise has been cross-border data flows. And as I indicated earlier when we were talking, one of the really interesting trends we saw was a real renewed focus on data residency requirements. So I'm just curious what your view is on the trend line for data residency and whether you have any kind of quick tips for the, for the pod listeners on navigating the data, data residency requirements. Adam, I would expect nothing less than you to turn the tables on me. So I just, I'm grateful you've only done it once. But anyway, so uh, I think it's a, it's a great question. I do think that um, uh, data residency, the trend line is towards um, greater data localization requirements, either explicit or implicit, or, or um, uh, another way to say it is I expect we're going to see, we're going to look back on the last five to 10 years and say, boy, that was a time when there weren't a lot of digital walls up between countries, but we're going to see more. Um, so Russia was first out of the box a few years back with specific data localization rules. But even as you kind of continue to look around, China now with its new cybersecurity law and some of the draft regulations that are coming out are going to be essentially an, an implicit data localization for for many market participants and an explicit one for others. And so, um, and then if you even look further and you look at what's happening in Europe with the Schrems 2 case, which is going up before the Court of Justice of the European Union, looking at model clauses, um, and if those get invalidated, much like uh, Safe Harbor had been invalidated years back on the basis of, say, national security uh, considerations about data access in the U.S., we're really going to be looking the next uh, three to five years at more of these digital walls going up, which will put a lot of pressure. Yeah, thanks so much. I think that's interesting and certainly something we'll be watching from, from all perspectives, cloud and otherwise. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next podcast when we connect on tech. For more information on data and technology, subscribe to our blog at connectontech.com or visit our website at bakermckenzie.com.